That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Sean Weatherspoon, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, and you're listening to the Mazadcast. Man, you need a hobby, like golf or something. This show is terrible. And a throw it. Slam. This bugs for you. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's going to throw the deep ball, and Burton's past the defense. Touchdown, Luther Burton. 47 yards. The place kick is up. It is... Yes! Oh, walk-off winner for 61! This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? We're coming to you after Missouri's fifth straight victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores, 38-21. to and Missouri now sits 5-0, and looking towards a ranked matchup of Tigers versus Tigers, Mizzou versus LSU coming into Columbia next week, hoping to be 6-0, and just as we predicted, Colin, at the beginning of this year. Why did LSU have to lose? To, to Ole Miss this weekend? Yeah, why did they have to lose? Because two things. One, they've got another loss on the record, so we won't get as much credit if we do win. And two, they're going to be extra motivated because they just got caught in a trap game. It's a trap <laughs> and uh, now we're, you know, like I said, I just feel like this is the worst possible outcome for Mizzou is that they lost. But, you know, hey, we're 5-0. and I can't imagine having said that at the beginning of the season. Cannot imagine it. No, and you know, you're right. And, like, I don't think that Ole Miss was necessarily a trap game for LSU. I just think that LSU has no defense and Ole Miss has a good offense and they lost straight up. Mizzou would have been their trap game. You know, they would have... Should they have beaten Ole Miss, they were going to look right past us, and that's when we could have struck. I still think we have a good shot at this because, like I said, LSU's defense is terrible, but what we will need is our defense to be the level of defense that we had hoped that it would be at the beginning of this year, but hasn't quite lived up to expectations. I know we're looking past Vanderbilt, but, you know, Jaden Vanderbilt's in the room here. Jaden Daniels is what is in front of us, and uh, he's a really good quarterback. He's young and very uh, electric, and you know he can he can hurt you. But he, like I said, he's young. He's going to be probably have some consistency issues at times, and we have to be able to take advantage of that. Our defensive line has played okay, but they need to get more pressure. They need to get home more. Johnny Walker Jr. has been great, but uh, they they've got to be able to apply more pressure. They can't let him run around and look for wide receivers and expect the secondary to cover for three and four seconds at a time. Let's not skip too far ahead of this Vanderbilt because we are Missouri and we can't afford to overlook any victory. The question I guess I have at the outset, 38 to 21, a good margin of victory, covered the spread. Do you feel like that was a good win for Mizzou on the road? It was. I feel like Mizzou's defense did what Mizzou's defense does and takes plays off, falls asleep at the switch. Nick, hey, we got a lead now. We can stop playing hard. <laughs> and and then, you know, Vanderbilt takes the top off on us, and you're like, what the fuck? 
Like, oh, we just, oh, that's what our defense does. We decided to just, yep, we took it off. No problem. There does seem to be some erratic play in defense at times. I mean, we we started off slow, which I think we kind of tend to do in these games. I mean, n- not every game, but but uh, we trailed after the first quarter. But I never felt at any point that this game was in doubt, even though we did give up 14 fourth quarter points to Vanderbilt. Uh, we just poured it on, and they had no answers for our receiving core, both Luther Burden, Theo Weiss, and Marquise Johnson with his long bomb of a of touchdown reception. We could throw it all over Vanderbilt all day long if we wanted to, and and we did. I think our defense, when they're focused, is a pretty good defense. I just think that right now, when we get leads, they have a tendency to go to sleep, and that's bad, obviously. Yeah, the offense looks good. I, Brady Cook continues to be everything we could hope for him to be. And I'm going to tell you what, guys, he made a couple throws in this game that aren't just like, hey, this is college football, so people are really open, and you just throw it down there when you got a five-star receiver. He threw two touch passes to the end zone for touchdowns that were legit fucking passes. Big-time throws, touch throws, and were as impressive of throws as I've seen Brady Cook make. And uh, that gives me confidence because that, that throw doesn't have anything to do with your opponent. You can make that throw against LSU or Vanderbilt or anybody. If that throw is all about ability to do it. And what, when he makes that kind of throw, he just proves, I have the ability to do this. Yeah, he nearly threw for 400 yards. He had one throw for minus five yards to Nate Pete that would have uh, got him over the 400-yard marker for, I think, the first time in his career. But, God, I mean, they were doing whatever they wanted to. You were right, Colin. There were a couple of touchdown passes uh, to Luther Burden that I just thought were unbelievable throws. I mean, they got to the only place that they could go for a successful outcome. On the running side of the ball, Colin, I thought things looked good. I think it's time we stopped talking about whether Cody Schrader or Nate Pete should be or shouldn't be the first option at running back. They're a two-headed beast, and it and it seems to be working just fine that way, right? Like, So who cares whether it's a Nate Pete yeah. series or a Cody Schrader series? It's working either way. There are times in the offensive line worries me a little bit with the, the run blocking. I when a defense tends to stiffen their back a little bit, when the game's starting to be, um, you know, trying to salt the game away by running the football, our offensive line, at least at this point, doesn't seem to have the ability to be just impose their will. You know, when they don't know whether you're going to pass or throw, the offensive line does a good job. When they know you're going to run, our offensive line doesn't seem to be able to get the push that I would like to see. But, you know, I mean, like, I'm nitpicking. Sure, and uh, we almost have to nitpick against the 38-21 win. But I think you can't help but look at this game and think about LSU going forward. And so Vanderbilt on the road, we've been tricked up by them before, most notably in 2019. And we were not in any way tripped up. I mean, this was a very solid win in a way. I mean, this is exactly what you want your team to do going into what is conceivably the biggest trap game of the season. It's a trap! As you said last week, Colin, this was Mizzou's trap game, looking ahead to LSU, and we didn't falter in any way, really. You mentioned the the touch throws and the things that Brady Cook is doing. It's just, we're not the only ones saying it. It is mind-boggling because it's not just the play calling being different and not just relying on screen plays. He seems to have a another level that we had not seen before. And I, I don't know if we t- chalk that up to the torn labrum being healed or what, but we question whether Brady Cook can throw the deep ball. He can. We question whether he could hit those accurate passes, you know, just through a back shoulder throws, eye of a needle, and he's doing it. He's doing all the things you want for a, your QB1 to be able to do. I'm forgetting who Sam Horn is at this point. You know, we don't need him. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're nitpicking because there's, there's one glaring problem with this football team. It is a huge problem, and it's going to bite us in the ass in a close mm-hmm. game against a team like LSU, and that's penalties. Penalties is a big, frothy mug of Kobo jizz. Hobo come. That sure. this team is walking around chugging, and I'm sick of it. It's especially on the offensive line. The offensive line seems to be particularly prone to penalties, which is sort of unforgivable because the offensive line knows the snap count. They know whether they're run blocking or pass blocking. They, why are you getting off sides? God damn it. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, no, I don't even think that's a nit that needs picking. That is a huge glaring issue for the team. And we are in a position now to make this a special season. And if we want it to become a special season, 
that does need to be cleared up. And of the few things that you can fix mid-season in a college football year, penalties are one that you can fucking clean up. You know, this is something that can be fixed. It's something you can review on tape. You can beat into people's, people's heads. We see it all the time where teams are penalty prone early and they clean it up by the end of the year. We got to do it. Because it's remarkable how badly this team is penalized week in and week out. In any given week, sure, you can blame refs. You can blame these guys for being a little whistle happy or flag happy, but not week in and week out. It's it's a problem. And it's one of the things that I continue to be dogging Eli Drinkwitz about because ultimately penalties always fall back on coaches. And yeah, you can finger point a single guy or a single penalty. But when it's cumulative and when it becomes systematic, that's a coaching problem. And it needs fixing fast because we're running out of easy games. You know, Vanity was an easy game. It's easy to say that after the game is over and we beat them by, you know, almost doubling up on their score. But it was an easy game. LSU ain't going to be easy. I don't care how bad their defense is this year. It ain't going to be easy. And it's not going to be easy down the road. You look at Kentucky and what they did to Florida. We're running out of easy games. So you can't, you just can't shoot yourself in the foot. And we tend to. And, and another thing, Colin, this is nitpicking possibly. But, oh, we got to get off the field on third and fourth down sometimes. You know, it, that's been a problem too. This is not a perfect team. That's for sure. But we are 5-0. and if we're seeing that, surely the coaching staff is seeing it and making it an emphasis of practice. Theo Weiss, to me, Colin, has uh, become the clear number two receiver for Brady Cook on this team. And, you know, it's, it's easy to forget because he's a transfer that he also was a five-star recruit and that we've got two five-star receivers. And as you said last week, five stars means something and you get to see it whenever Burden and Weiss are on top of their game. And then you look at a guy like Marquise Johnson, it just opens it up, you know, just you don't know when he's going to pop out, and when he gets those long bomb home run throws, he's outrun everybody. He is fast. Their receiving core is as good as I've seen it since like the Washington Bud Sasser days. You know, mm-hmm. I wish they'd work Northfleet into the office a little more. I I like those tight end throws. They sprinkled a few of those in, but I'd like to see more of that. Do you think it's fair to sort of like move along from the Vanderbilt game and look ahead to LSU, Colin? Because, I mean, my football boner is growing fast for this Saturday. I'm all chubbed up over here. But fuck Vanderbilt. Move on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we beat a team we're supposed to beat. Let's go. Let's talk about the big matchup. <laughs> it's true enough. It's true enough. LSU is coming into town maybe not as in the position they'd like to be. What are they? Three and two. They've fallen. They're actually ranked lower than Mizzou now, 23 in the country. Mizzou now has risen up to 21st in the nation. You're you're right. Having lost that game to Ole Miss, it puts a different feel towards us. I mean, LSU wins. They're a top, they were top 12 going in. This is talking game day, you know I mean? Like it is a big time matchup. Now, if we beat LSU, it will there'll be a three and three LSU program and probably fall out of the top 25. And it just won't, the level of respect for that victory won't be there. We have to do twice as much as any other team to get respect in the SEC. Yeah, well, of course we do, Brendan. We're five and oh, we can't even break the top 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is like, they're like, oh, God, Missouri. I guess we have to put them up, in, you know, in the top 25. But, yeah, I don't care how many wins they have. Yeah, and, and like I said, if we beat LSU, they'll be like, yeah, well, LSU's having a down year because, as we know, the definition of a down year is when Missouri beats you. Yep, exactly. But we have to actually get that win first because I don't think it's a season buster if we lose to LSU, but it will certainly – we'll snap back far in anyone's expectations. We'll be 5-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in conference, and LSU will sort of have righted their ship a little bit, which is why they're going to be very thirsty – coming into this game. But if we win 6-0, 2-0 in conference, two wins over ranked opponents, that's when we're getting into special season territory. We'll already be bowl eligible. It's, we're, we're in the sixth game of the year, Colin, and we're talking about already being bowl eligible. That is almost unheard of, certainly in an Eli Drinkwitz team, which has never won more than, what, six games. Every, I guess every win at this point becomes a crossroads game. You win this game, we are at a true crossroads. I mean, we could sit out know, the rest of the season and match what we did last year. And you know they're going to be ready. They've just lost. Despite me thinking that Brian Kelly is a trash human being, I think he's a pretty good coach, unfortunately, for us. Sadly. I think they're going to be up and ready to go. I do not like Brian Kelly, though. I can say that. I, did, I didn't like him before. And then when he tried to fake a, a Cajun accent at uh, when they introduced him as LSU's coach, I was like, oh, you vapid piece of horse shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not Ed Ogeron. 
I'm not sure they shouldn't have kept Edo. I mean, that's what I wanted. I always thought Ed Ogeron was a poor hire, and then, they, then he won a national championship and just completely came off the rails. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it coming off the rails, Brendan, or is it normal? I, I had this conversation with myself the other night. So you're Ed Ogeron. Your profile's pretty low, and then you become the coach of sort of a blue-chip college football program. So now your profile gets really high, and then you win a national championship. And you basically get divorced and start plowing middle-aged women with fake tits in hot tubs. Who wants to suck an old man's dick? So people are like, oh, he's off the rails. And I'm like, is he off the rails? Because I feel like it's pretty normal. You know what I mean? I think it's like a 50-50 split. I think if you were a normal human, it's fine for you to be like, all right, now my profile's really high, but I'm going to double down on loving my wife and being a good family man and being a good football coach. I feel like it's every bit as normal for some people to react with. I'm going to go plow fake-tittied middle-aged women in hot tubs. Who wants to suck an old man's dick? <laughs> sure. There's plenty of guys who do that. It's, it's brilliant. It's easily a 50-50 split. So I, I object to the term, like, like when, I say, when I say he come off the rails, I'm like, he did something that's perfectly normal for probably half of all men in his situation. Who wants to suck an old man's dick? <laughs> and then one thing I liked about Ed O is when he did get fired, he's like, you know how much money I just made as head coach? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. like, I got millions like, of dollars in the bank. I'm be throwing hot ropes on co-eds till they put me in the ground, guys. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I got millions in the bank. I sure I could make millions more, but <laughs> those co-eds ain't gonna glaze themselves and come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Looking at what LSU has done this year, Colin, they got beat soundly by Florida Pardon? State. Yeah. I hate to derail your football talk, but I gotta ask you this. Okay. Over under Ed Ogeron dies, red-faced, humping a, a co-ed at some point in his life. Well, you know, over under, he dies on top of a of a lady. It's tough to just give you a number, and I'll tell you why, Colin. Beat red face, no neck, none. No, <laughs> no. just flat top, red-faced grunts of passionate lovemaking. You know, yeah. just and then clutching chest. It's over. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of sweat coming. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's not going to be great for her. But here's the thing, Colin. As much as it is a co-ed, it's likely to be a prostitute, right? (laughs) Sure. That's not, I mean, obviously. So take that into account. And here's the problem. If, and let's be honest, when that happens, (laughs) we're probably not going to hear about it, right? Like that's not going to be how it gets reported. Oh, I'm not saying that's going to happen. We're going to know about it, but that's how he's. Well, it just makes odds making tough in this circumstance because, you know, they're going to drag his bloated corpse into a church <laughs> and be like, oh, I died praying in a pew like we all thought yeah. he would. Not rock hard pounding away. Yeah, sure, there'll be a trail of jizz and shit and sweat that dr- all the way to the church building that they dragged his corpse to. But we'll probably not hear about it. I don't know. Maybe the LSU message boards are a little more uh, investigative reporting than ours, but I doubt we hear about it. But yeah, the, I mean, the odds are definitely over 50-50 that that is how Ed goes out. Oh, I'm going to bring it. I'm saying 70. 70% chance he dies on top of co-ed slash hooker pumping away. I mean, have you seen how red his face is? How big and <laughs> beat red he is? I mean, like his heart has got to be, is on its last leg. Everything, I'm certain of it. Everything about Ed Ogeron is swollen, and I'm sure his arteries are the same way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Ed Ogeron goes to the doctor, that's probably like, look, I can talk to you about blood pressure. I can talk to you about <laughs> cholesterol. But what we really need to talk about is co-eds and prostitutes and cocaine. Yeah. We could talk about this cork in one of your arteries that's basically a hunk of feta cheese, but instead, <laughs> we're just going to tell you, here's your Viagra, have fun while it lasts. <laughs> that's right. I know how this is going. I know the things I could tell you that you need to stop doing, and I know you're not going to stop doing them. Yeah. Listen, we know how this story ends, <laughs> but I'm just not going to look the other way. Here's your bottle of Viagra. I'll see you again in two weeks for another bottle of 24 caplets of Viagra, you animal. <laughs> you know, he just mashes them up in his pina coladas on the, you know what I mean, <laughs> at the resorts he goes to. And he just sure. wakes up 10 a.m., gets his Viagra, smashes them up into a fine powder, mixes them into a margarita, goes out and says hi to the first blonde head he sees. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, we can get back to football now, I suppose. Colin, you're talking about this. I 
pulled up Ed Ogeron just to do a little research on the man, see how old he is, and kind of do a little bit of actuarial work in my head on how long we got to just enjoy everything that comes with Ed Ogeron. And I mean, the first picture I pull up is a giant head of Ed Ogeron, and it is beet red. I mean, fucking <laughs> beet red. Anyway, he's not coaching this team right now, though, right? Brian Kelly is no Ed Ogeron. So he's leading this crew. Looking back at what they have done this year, trying to get a feel for who this LSU team is or what they're going to be when they come to Columbia. They started the season against Florida State. Florida State, the number eight in the country, lost badly, 45-24. to 24. That bodes well, except that those first games of the season – you know, sometimes those are not good indicators of what you're going to be playing midway through the season like we are now. But they were trounced soundly by Florida State. Then they had a cupcake game against Grambling, which they crushed them 72 to 10 because this offense is capable. Then they played Mississippi State, won 41 to 14, albeit consider that Mississippi State is, maybe short of Vanderbilt, the worst team in the SEC right now. Any year that the SEC is not great. Uh, they are two and three. 0-3 in conference Mississippi State. And so that win doesn't look super impressive. Then their next win was a squeaker, 34-31 last second field goal over Arkansas a week ago. Arkansas is just as bad as Mississippi State. Barely beat Arkansas. Then this last week game against Ole Miss on the road, they did lose. They did allow 55 points to the same Ole Miss team that Alabama had shut down the prior week. But can't forget that LSU was also able to put up 49 on the road against Ole Miss. LSU can score in a way that LSU teams traditionally used to not. You know, Brian Kelly brings sort of a Big Ten sort of northern mentality to this LSU program that used to be just ground and pound 10 to 7 games. They can score, which is what scares me so much for our defense, what we're looking at. But LSU- Yeah, that started with Burrow. You know, because I remember when we first started doing this show, joking around about you know, if, if LSU will ever figure out the forward pass, they could really do, do some damage. <laughs> that's right. And then Burrow, since Burrow, that stereotype has stereotype uh, has gone away. You know, well, they still all of college freak football. of corn dogs. That stereotype is still strangely accurate. But, you know, they don't they are they aren't really ground and pound anymore. They've got a they go an explosive offense. Yeah, that reminds me. We have gotten some tweets from LSU folks asking, oh, where do you, where should we go when we come to Columbia? And nobody's really taken the effort to find places in town that sells corn dogs. And I think that they're sort of missing the boat there uh, because that's what LSU fans are going to be looking for, obviously. I mean, yeah, you can tell them there's a great steak place or, oh, this guy got to go to Shakespeare's Pizza. But that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for corn dogs. And jean shorts. That's Florida. Well, Brennan, Mm -hmm. you're telling me that LSU fans don't wear cut off jean shorts? I know it's what Florida's known for. No, you're probably right. I mean, sure. Cut off jean shorts. I'm sure it's part of their repertoire. They, they don't judge Florida harshly for that. I'll put it that way. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is a very imperfect LSU squad, obviously, but they are dangerous. They can score heavily. And I, need to, I don't even know what the over-under is in this game. I guess I ought to look it up because the way Mizzou's playing and the way LSU is playing, over-under 64 and a half. Yeah, they are. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, in a year where the rules have changed and the clock's running up until the two-minute mark in both halves, you're inclined to take the under more often, but uh, yeah. this is going to be a high-scoring game, you'd think. Boy, that's a really high-scoring game. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, Missouri has offense has been really good, and so has LSU's. I mean, I think everybody knows this is going to be a – it's just strange to say. I mean, we, we talked about the defense before the season started being the you know the stalwart of this team, the, the thing we're going to hang our hat on. Yeah. And uh, it really hasn't been that. Now, they haven't been bad, like, but they just haven't been what we hoped they would be. Right. And, man, if, if Brady Cook and Luther Burden and Schrader and all these guys in the offense can continue to do what they're doing and the defense can show up and be that defense, I think that we know they're capable of being. Because yeah. it's not yeah. just about what we think they should be. It's like you look at the roster, they've got the talent on the roster to be a better defense. And like I said, not that they've been bad, but they can be better than what they've been. And I'm ready for them to sort of put it all together. You know, Chad Bailey was back last game. I think that helped at linebacker. I, I really feel like teams are concentrating on making sure Tyron Hopper doesn't just completely destroy their game plan, too. So I feel like he's been a little more quiet. I think this defense could be the difference in this game. Could really turn this game into a decisive Mizzou victory, honestly. Because I, I obviously can see a scenario where Mizzou loses because LSU's ex- offense is explosive. I can see a scenario where... Both teams score a lot of points, and it comes down to a field goal at the end. But a scenario that I don't think you're going to hear any SEC analysts predict, because they would never, 
predict a Mizzou victory handily, but I can see an, a way for Mizzou to win this game going away. I mean, just we get some turnovers, our defense plays, you know, in sort of the dominant fashion we've expected it to, and you combine that with what Brady Cook and the offense is doing, I think we could shock LSU. Listen, I'm not predicting it, but I feel like it's every bit as reasonable a prediction as shootout to a three-point field goal victory. Yeah, as strange as it may sound to say this, I think the key to our defense shutting LSU down is the same as it was for Vanderbilt, which is create turnovers and get to the quarterback. Because getting to the quarterback wreaks havoc and turnovers are game changers. And we've been light on the turnovers in on our defense and we've been light on the quarterback pressure this year. So if we can put those two things together, we have a sound secondary, our linebacker core is getting stronger and stronger and already looks pretty good. We can stop teams who can score and LSU is a team who can score. So I honestly, I, I were, think our defense is better than Ole Miss's, right? And so Ole Miss allowed 49 points against these guys. I, I think we can shut that down. Can Mizzou put I, up 40? I don't know. If I were Blake Baker, my game plan would be, I would walk into my, my defensive backs room while they're watching film. And I'd be like, this one's on you guys. Cause I'm putting you on an Island. I'm bringing pressure. You're going to be one-on-one the whole game. I'm setting the dogs loose on Jane Daniels from the kickoff to the uh, whistle. And you guys are going to be on an Island and you're going to be responsible for covering one-on-one because we're going after him. And uh, it's a, it's a big swing. You know what I mean? It's a big swing. It, it could blow up in your face, but that's what I'd do. I'd say I'm bringing the I'm bringing the dogs. We're gonna blitz the shit out of him. We're gonna bring pressure from everywhere. We're gonna stunt. We're gonna do all kinds of shit, and we're gonna let what is, and to my mind, maybe the best secondary in the SEC prove that they're the best secondary in the SEC. You know, Rakestraw and Abrams Draymer is good a pair of quarterbacks you're gonna see. Carlisle, these guys are good, and it's time to make them prove it. Really prove it. And they'll have to. I mean, Jaden Daniels, one thing that we've talked about, Brady Cook, obviously we haven't mentioned, but during the Vanderbilt game, he set an SEC record for most pass attempts without throwing an interception. Jaden Daniels has only thrown two this year. So he's a very capable quarterback, and getting him to turn the ball over will be challenging. But if they're up to the task, then watch out, Mizzou could come away with a win here. Colin, it's crazy to say that between Mevis and Brady Cook, two guys we dogged on early in the season, they both set conference records. Not team records, but conference records. And we're only halfway through the season, almost. Yeah, I've never been more happy to be completely wrong about two football players. Why don't we take our first break, Colin, hear what the listeners thought about this Vandy win, then go around the horn because we are getting into the meat and potatoes of this SEC season, and we're in the thick of it, and it's been a long time since we could say that, so I'm looking forward to around the horn. This is the Mazzotcast. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. back and as we promised it is time to listen to what you thought about the game it's time for the mailbag here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes i want to wail all right gang just how in the fuck are we biting on them play fake and giving up a rushing touchdown to the fucking vanderbilt backup quarterback The Vandy backup QB who didn't even play last year. Think how far down in the trajectory of sports rosters and lists he must fucking be. It's a damn far down. You couldn't see it with a telescope, sonogram, or a a fucking ultrasound. But anyway, we're going to do better. M-I-Z-Z-O, me and you. Thanks, Jackpot. Yeah, we uh, did. Vanderbilt was bit by the injury bug. I guess we should have mentioned that. That, and we struggled a little early against them, and uh, it was a little scary. But ultimately, we I think we righted the ship, and I wasn't too 
deflated by how things went down. Hey, guys, I just got to say, Derek Mason needs to shut the fuck up. There's no reason why an ex-bandy coach should be in the booth. I, I mean, you can hear why he's no longer on the sidelines. Dude sounds like he's got no idea what the hell is going on. But, hey, I've never been happier to be wrong about Brady Cook. Guy can play. A strong heart and a strong arm, too. Let's keep this going. M-I-Z. Hey, hey, hey. His heart isn't strong. It's tough. It's tough. He's got a tough That's heart. right. And, Brendan, I tell you what. He's right about Derek Mason. Like every time, like, oh, that's not that's not pass interference. That, I mean, he sided with Vanderbilt every. He definitely doesn't have the Barry Odom "I'm butthurt at Mizzou" feeling about yeah. Vanderbilt. <laughs> he loves him. He's either. like, and Vanderbilt could do no wrong in the eyes of Derek Mason on that fucking program. <laughs> that's true enough. True enough. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. Just kidding. I actually think this is going to go well. We're up ten and a half. I think we're going to win. I yes, we did win. We we won. All right, troops, Kevin from Kirkwood here again, and I'm ready to take back all the bad things I've ever said about Brady Cook or Eli Drinkwood. How dare this you? This team looks special. This team is getting people interested in Mizzou football again, and I'm happy for it. M-I-Z. I don't know about you, Colin. I'm not willing to let people get off the hook for saying bad things about Brady Cook or Eli Drinkwood. I've been on their bandwagon this whole time, and anybody that's jumping on now, I have no forgiveness for because you should have supported Brady Cook and Drinkwood all along, just like I did. Yeah, agreed. Just like this show always has and always will. That's right. We're not going to stand. Hey, we're not going to stand for guys like Brett Sarver, who no. never would give Brady Cook an ounce of credit. Right. And constantly would calling for Sam. Constantly Hunter. degrade him. Listen, we said it from the beginning. He's terrific. He's going to be terrific. Shut up and enjoy the show. Yeah, Kevin from Kirkwood, fine. You're on the Brady Cook bandwagon now, but you can't just jump back on. You got to be like the Mazad cast, which never falters in its support for the great, <laughs> tough heart of Brady Cook. Never have, never will. And I'm glad that it's recorded because there's no way you could go back and listen to say, hear us ever say anything bad about Brady Cook because it's never happened. Fake news, completely fake. Hey guys, my name is Jade and I'm 11 years old. My dad said I can date Brady Cook now too. <laughs> And I'm Jason. I'm also 11 years old. I can date Brady Cook, too, if that's what he's into. Oh my God. Good Lord. Good sweet Lord. Oh, we've crossed some sort of line. We've crossed the Mazad cow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just really great parenting, though. Oh, um. man. I don't. Listen. Listen. Me, me acting sort of taken back by that is complete fucking bullshit acting. I appreciate that call. The sense of humor of that father and or mother is exactly the sort of sense of humor you should have. <laughs> it should be dark. It should be blue. And, uh, you know, if you like the Big Bang Theory, fuck off. <laughs> We're South. We like South Park here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, that was a not a call I expected, but hats off. All right, boys, we're 5-0. and oh. That game was a very good cover. Super proud of the Tigers in this one. Uh, really, the defense, man, the, that second drive from Vandy where they scored the touchdown on the read option to the drive that the first deep ball for a touchdown. The defense honestly played lights out all but those two deep balls for a touchdown. But uh, how about our quarterback? He's a winner. I know. I feel it. It makes me tear up too because, of, again, all the support, unwavering support I've given him throughout this season and last. But yeah, what do you think about that, Colin? That the defense was pretty good, damn good, except for a couple letdowns. I mean, it's basically what you're yeah, saying, so right? They, they take, take a couple series off. That's what they do. Yeah, that's take a, that's a few jam. Take a few siestas. Hey, guys. Nick here, St. Louis. First time in a long time. Is it time to start having the conversation? Like, are we doing something right with the offense here? Brady Cook. I get Mizzou wants to be pissed at him. We're not, we weren't happy with him to start, but look, we're making plays with him. Double cover Luther does not matter. You have Theo, you've got Mookie. They're making plays. End of the game, didn't look great. Maybe playing too much prevent, but I think it's our time to respecting Brady's a good quarterback in this offense. Always have. Yeah, I don't know. Might what he's, be legit. I don't know what he's talking what about. What's this guy talking about? What's this start to have a conversation? Uh, two years ago, when Brady Cook was named our starting quarterback, I said, "Greatest quarterback we've seen in a really long time." No complaints out of this guy. Never once. I don't. Yeah, best since Chase Daniel. I think I remember saying. And I heard you say it. Uh, I mean, we we gave him the the nickname Brady Tough Heart for a reason, Brent. Because, because he's, he's got so, such a tough heart. He's so tough. 
and he's got such a big that, heart. That nickname, that nickname was not given in a derogatory way. In no way was it about the fact that when bad players are given this sort of backhanded compliments, it's always that they ha- they're the toughest guy on the team, or that if everybody had as big a heart as he had, we'd be undefeated. Yeah, that had yeah. nothing to do with it. It's because he's so tough because he's got such a great heart. Exactly. I wish Ed Ogeron's heart was as tough as Brady Cook's. Yeah, no kidding. He's going to need that. Who wants to suck an old man's dick? Hey, fellas. Chase Macklin here post game. Just a couple of thoughts. Brady was cooking today. And honestly, I really think, I want to know if Drinkwitz was riding a short bus when he was a kid because, I mean, the shit that goes on at the end of a half that he tries to call a timeout and he doesn't, goes back on what he thinks he's going to do, all to get the ball back and get punted to and just do a run play. Like we were going to try to get in field goal range, but we didn't do that. And then all the penalties, the miscues. I mean, those are fine right now when we're playing these opponents where we should be blowing them out. But when we go into actual SEC play, I'm going to be scared, and I really think it's going to show his coaching compared to the other coaching in the league. And that's really going to put his job on the, on the line. But uh, other than that, let's just keep rolling. LSU this week looks like they're having trouble with Ole Miss, so let's go. M-I-Z, baby. Yeah, we talked about it. Drinkwitz, I mean, I think everybody's um... – now on the Cook bandwagon, why the hell wouldn't you be? But Drinkowitz still has some work to get people on the bandwagon. I mean, obviously, these are his recruits. These are his wins. But, you know, we've said it in previous shows. Like, sometimes it feels like we're winning in spite of him. Plus, I mean, just look at the guy. He needs to be, like, queer eye for the straight guy kind of. We need to, you know, what about Maggie Johnson? She seems like a, she's a big Mizzou fan. She seems, like, well put together. Like, maybe we get those two together. Maybe she takes him shopping for some new frames, you know, some more stylish glasses. Mm -hmm. I don't know what she's going to do about that hair. There's (laughs) not a lot you can do there, but I trust her judgment. Maggie, you're Um, fashion forward. Can you fix drink a little bit? (laughs) Please. I'd like, I mean, listen, I think she could probably fix his time management too, honestly, at this point, but I'd be happy if she could just get him some new frames, but let's, let's see if we can figure that out. Yeah. Let's shoot her a mess, like a DM and see if she, we can get those two kids together and see if she can't uh, sort of sharpen him up a bit. Sure. It's time for so a makeover. We, Mid-season makeover. Yeah, so we, I mean, you guys got to get sick of being called a dweeb by every person in the SEC, right? <laughs> and half the fan base here. Yeah. His play calling at the end of the first half of the Vandy game. It was another head scratcher, Colin. It just, what are you trying to do? It does. It did look like he didn't know what he wanted to do, and he was changing his mind with every consecutive play that was going on. And it resulted in nothing other than putting our team at risk and risking possible turnovers to devastating oh, results. Yeah. While we're giving Maggie Johnson jobs, let's let's have her you know take a crack at Brett Sarver too. <laughs> What's wrong with his look? <laughs> you know what? Forget that. Don't go there, Maggie. You will end up in pieces in a freezer in the basement. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Let's move on to the next call. Yo, guys, great win today. But all I'm gonna say is. LSU, you better be damn well scared coming to Columbia next week. Never thought I'd be talking shit to LSU, but they better be scared. We're bringing it. Let's go. Let's beat LSU now. Hard to believe we're having calls like that given the start we had to this season, but uh, all right, let's do it. Man, great win in Nashville uh, today. Uh, We talk a lot about Brady Cook and Luther Burden, but we talk about one of my favorite uh, players this season that – you know, barrel-aged whiskey of a defender, Johnny Walker Jr., <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah. that guy's kicking some ass. Also, can we take, like, two seconds and talk about how utter garbage, hot garbage, hot, hot garbage, garbage, Nebraska is this season? Whew. <laughs> M-I-Z. Yeah, I hate it. Boys, that's a shame. You know, it's just a real shame. <laughs> you know, the Big Ten it looked over us, looked past Mizzou, and said, we need that Nebraska team. They look real good. And they have just been absolute hobo-cum since joining the Big Ten. Hobo-cum. It's a real shame. Brennan, I think we should, uh, in honor of that caller's call, propose a, like, a, a game for watching this game, and that is you have to go buy a bottle of Johnny of Walker. Walker. Yeah, Johnny Walker, and take a shot every time Johnny Walker does something good. Mm-hmm. I think, th- and hope we end up shit can drunk. <laughs> That's always my hope at the end of almost every Mizzou game, and it is important to know your Johnny Walkers because they come in you know the various different levels and different blends. Uh, don't get the Johnny Walker red. That's the the cheapest shit. Go for some Johnny Walker blue. It's premium. You know that Johnny Walker blue is the good stuff, and. Uh, 
That's what our Johnny Walker on this Mizzou team is. He's Johnny Walker Blue. He's the good stuff. Hello, Alex, Mizzou fan here, British Earth. Oh, my God. Sorry, I was getting confused. It is about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock here in Houston and and Vanderbilt. Drunk, 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 drunk. still in the game because Missouri have committed yet another He's already done the Johnny Walker Challenge. Penalty. Oh, my right. God. It's just a joke. Like, He's in how it. many times we want Fucking to bollocks. In bollocks. And it's just like you... It's fucking not cunts. about the players, and we could talk about Brady Cook and Watson, but fuck me, drink with. Sort it. Bloody hell. Like, Jesus. <laughs> sort it out. Sort it Tell out. Daughters to Brady Cook. <laughs> Thank you. Fuck garbage. Thank you. I think we um, we I talked over. I can catch over. any of that. No, there's not much to catch. He's shit faced. I mean, it is. <laughs> it was. Alex, Brit can be. That was one of the drunker calls you put in, and keep in mind it was an eleven o'clock start time. Good heavens! <laughs> I'm once again asking you guys stay sorry to get ready. Stay sorry, go Tigers. Man, what's he talking about? What's to say sorry for? Unending, unconditional support for Brady Cook at all times from the get go, from the time he stepped on campus. What's to apologize for that, Colin? I don't know. I can never remember. Any time on this show saying something that could even be construed as Mis- negative yeah. about Brady Cook. Even misinterpreted as negative. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Always beating that drum from the word go. Hey guys, JD here. Had to wait 24 hours because I had to process everything that happened yesterday. Uh, congratulations again to you guys. You're 5-0. and uh, You played five games, won five games. So you can't be much better than that. Brady Cook, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. No interceptions. It's awesome. I think Pete is your uh, your guys' best uh, running back. And then Burden continues to show why he's probably the best receiver, one of the best receivers in the SEC. Guys doing a hell of a job, man. I don't see why uh, Missouri can't go at very at the very worst eight and four. Uh, I'm thinking maybe ten and two for you guys. Hey, you're mouth to mouth ears. Uh, congratulations again. Anyway, I'm not gonna <clears throat> I'm not gonna have you guys listen to me whine and complain and bitch about Arkansas. It's uh. It is what it is. Uh, Sam Pittman's, he's a fucking joke. You know, but uh, anyway, congratulations to you guys, and uh, hopefully you uh, you guys can uh, beat the shit out of them corndog sucking, eating motherfucking LSU Tigers. So talk to you later. God bless. Thank you, J.D., and you sounded down. And I know that Arkansas has not given you the year that you would have liked, but keep in mind, it happens every year with Arkansas. So, you, one, you, your emotions can callous over, right? And uh, two, drink. You know, there's alcohol. When we mentioned Johnny Walker several times, there's no reason an Arkansas fan can't also get drunk on Johnny Walker. Some people would say therapy. Some people would say take up a hobby, get outdoors, do some gardening. No, drink blended scotch whiskey from Johnny Walker, right? Am I right? Push it down brown. Push it down brown. Yeah. That's right. There is no Arkansas season that can't be cured by alcohol. So, but thank you again for the support. <laughs> and thank you all for the calls. And uh, it was a it was a good win. It's cathartic to listen to what you all have to say. Uh, it's time to move on. It's time to go around the horn with the SEC. We we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. Some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the fine bot for me? Will do. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. All right, thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Let's look at this last week in conference play. Things opened up with Georgia versus Auburn. Colin, the number one team in the country, Georgia Bulldogs, didn't look as good as you might have expected. Struggled quite a bit with a bad Auburn team. Ended up the victor 27-20, to but darn, Georgia... 
how, do you think they're not as good as we think they are? Or just having an off week? I mean, they did almost get beaten by Mizzou last year. Good heavens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just don't think in the SEC right now there's a truly dominant team. I mean, Alabama. Georgia's still the class of the SEC, I think, despite what Alabama looks like. I don't agree. Most teams would still lose to Alabama. But yes, sir. There have definitely been years where you feel like there's a couple teams in this conference that would just throttle basically 99.9% of every other team in college football. And that doesn't look that way this year. I'm not sure about that. Any team can have an off week, and they still pulled out the victory at the end of the day. It was on the road, so Georgia got the W. Still remains flawless at 5-0. and Auburn falls to 3-2, and 0-2 in conference play. Moving on, Alabama, the Alabama team you mentioned, played Mississippi State, arguably the worst team in the West, beat them easily, 40-17. to 17. <laughs> um, Mississippi State is so bad this year, I don't know how much it tells us about Alabama, but they do seem to be playing better than they did at the offset of the season. You're right about that. Nick Saban is a good coach, and there's a lot of talent at, at, at Alabama. I think you know by the end of the season, they're going to figure some things out. You're right about that. Um, I think they've got quarterback issues, and uh, that's hard to overcome. I don't know. It is, and it's nice to get healthy on a team like Mississippi State if you're in Alabama. Moving on to a game that was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. I guess not. I just didn't know how it was going to go. I certainly didn't want to bet on it. Number 21, Tennessee, hosted South Carolina. Tennessee routed the Gamecocks 41-20. to Do you think that tells us more about Tennessee, or do you think it tells us more about South Carolina, Colin? Oh, I just think South Carolina, for whatever reason, has been getting a little too much uh, publicity. I think Shane Beamer's brought in some recruiting, and I think Spencer Adler whether it's deserved or not, brings a little more profile than he or that team probably deserves. I know the the game before this game, they were, you know, when they beat Mississippi State, I saw like an SEC rankings of quarterback and Spencer Rattler was at the top. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, guys, okay. All that says to me is we don't have a preeminent SEC quarterback right now because you're putting fucking Spencer Rattler at the top of that list. You either don't know shit or you just like he's the only name you recognized. Well, the thing about Spencer Rattler, Colin, I think, is that when he is on his game, he does look as good as any quarterback in college football. When he's had Agreed. his good games, he looks really good. But there are games where he just does not show up or does not appear, and this was one of them. Tennessee got to him early, and he just didn't look very good at all. And that's the same Spencer Rattler we played against last year. Hopefully he returns to the, this year's team as well. Yeah, he we turns back into a fucking pumpkin against us. He, mm-hmm. I, you know, he is very talented, but he is criminally inconsistent. Yeah, and so sure. that's why I'm just like, I'm not saying he's a bad football player. I'm just saying the best quarterback in the SEC, um, like, give me a break. But like I said, his profile is pretty high. And I think that that gives, sometimes gives South Carolina a little more heat than they deserve. And I think, you know, water finds its own level and South Carolina is getting kicked around a little bit. And that's probably exactly the way it's supposed to be. Well, Tennessee is now four and one after their baffling loss to Florida. Uh, they're feeling a little bit better now. The hypo train is back a little bit on the tracks. But what a win like this over South Carolina means, just still don't know, even this deep into the season. And that takes us to the Florida-Kentucky game, the same Florida team, number 22 at this point, who beat Tennessee a few weeks ago got badly destroyed by Kentucky on the road. Uh, the Wildcats won 33 to 14. It was a no doubter. They were up 16 to nothing at the half. Florida didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. It was a dominant performance by the Wildcats. Makes me more scared of Kentucky, who at this point, to this point, hadn't played anybody. And I think in a lot of people's minds outside of Columbia, Missouri, the Wildcats leapfrogged Mizzou as far as the power rankings go because you're right about that. They obviously don't want to put Mizzou at the top of any list or even near the top. You're right about that. And Kentucky with a big conference win over a team like Florida, that was enough for them to vault over us. Hopefully that changes this weekend if we can beat LSU, but um, Florida looks lousy and Kentucky is going to be one to contend with. Mark Stoops continues to keep that team pretty good. They're now five and zero. Yeah, Stoops has got a, a good thing going. He's a good coach, as much as it pains me to say it. Kentucky's one of those teams that if Mark Stoops ever dies or goes anyplace else, I think they're going to be back in the Mississippi State territory. But yeah, like right when, now they're pretty good, and they've been good, and they've owned us. And it's, I, I hate to say it, but that's that game right now, if you said, who do you would you rather play this weekend, LSU or Kentucky, I'd say LSU. Yeah, it's crazy to say that, but it is true. 
Texas A&M played at Arkansas, won easily 34-22. to Part of the reason our good friend J.D. was so down, Arkansas didn't stand a chance against a Texas A&M team who I don't think is all that good. They are 4-1 and and 2-0 and in conference right now, but they haven't always looked great in the games that they've played. Arkansas just looks bad, and it just makes me want to, Colin, drag up old tweets we've got from Arkansas fans who told us, now that we got Sam Pittman, all those years you beat us, now obviously they don't count because they were down and I didn't like the coach we had then, but Sam Pittman's going to turn this ship around. It just makes me want to drag those old tweets up and rub them in Arkansas fans' faces because they've said that about Bielema. They said it, they even said it about Chad Morris. And then they said it about Sam Pittman. It's just the same old song. So Texas A&M, the victor, Arkansas falls to two yeah. and three. We're going to get back to our winning ways. I'm like, when was that? I don't remember that. I wasn't alive then. 1964 was a long time ago. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't alive in 1964. You mean winning ways. Like you guys have had like three winning seasons the last fucking decade or whatever it was. I can't remember the stat was, but it was like, it was pretty pathetic. And so I'm like, ah. Uh. And then that takes us to the LSU Ole Miss game. That was one of the better games to watch on Saturday. There was no defense to be had anywhere in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. 55-49, to Ole Miss pulls out the victory with 21 fourth-quarter points over the Corn Dog Eaters. LSU and Ole Miss, I mean, they just threw it all over the field. It was, I mean, it was a typical Ole Miss game in the Lane Kiffin era where it was just like whoever has the ball last kind of wins, and it was, happened to be Ole Miss. They uh, stormed the field and all that jazz. LSU's defense is bad, Colin. I mean, it it, it would have been beneficial for Mizzou for LSU to have won that game. But it did make me feel good watching Ole Miss do whatever the fuck they wanted on the ground or through the air against LSU. I mean, they were absolutely lost on defense. I'm excited with the way Mizzou's offense is playing that uh, this could be a big game. Like I said, I, I said it earlier, I think there's a possibility that this could actually be a, a, a Mizzou win that isn't close. You should be fired. That's a distinct possibility. Bold talk, bold talk out of you. And then the final game, obviously, Missouri Number 23, Missouri beat the Vanderbilt Commodores 38-21 to in Nashville. Mizzou moves to 5-0, 1-0 in conference play. Vanderbilt falls to 2-4. Great tune-up game for Mizzou coming into this week. And then it leads us into week six of college football, Colin. Mississippi State getting a get-right game against Western Mission, a paid cupcake bullshit game for Mississippi State. They're favored by 20, obviously. We think the Bulldogs will win that one. In Starkville, Mississippi State, Alabama takes on Texas A and M. This is some for some reason become a game that people think is an SEC tradition, even though A and M has only been in the conference for the same amount of time as us. Alabama, I like Alabama in this game. I, yes, sir. I'm not a believer in Jimbo Fisher's A and M team this year. Alabama is only a two and a half point favorite on the road. It is in Kyle Field. I really think Alabama is starting to. Get shit together. I think Nick Saban is a coach who makes mid-season adjustments in a way that a lot of coaches don't, even if he has lost his fastball. I like Alabama in this one. Yes, sir. Alabama? Yeah, I do too. I don't think A&M is very good. And even with Alabama being down, I think they'll be very motivated to uh, beat up on A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Alabama? uh, I might put some money on this one. I like Alabama that much. They are a really good football team. Uh, takes us to Vanderbilt, Florida. Florida is licking their wounds after an ugly loss to Kentucky. They are at home. Vanderbilt is two and four. I have every reason to believe Florida will win this one, though. They're eighteen and a half point favorites. I don't know if they're going to cover, but I think they'll win. Florida. Nothing would make me happier though for Florida to lose. Yeah, the Billy Napier era off to a flying start. <laughs> Kentucky goes to Georgia. Kentucky coming off of a big win over Florida. Georgia eking by Auburn. It is in Georgia, number one Bulldogs. Kentucky has moved to number 20 in the country. Um, It is going to be probably one of the better matchups in the conference this week. I think it'll tell us a little bit more about what Georgia is, whether they just sort of took a week off against Auburn or whether they truly have some deficiencies that we didn't think they had. Georgia's 14.5-point favorites over Kentucky. I think Georgia's going to cover. I think Kirby Smart is is going to want to get right and prove to everybody that Georgia is still the powerhouse that they were that won the last two national championships. Georgia. Yeah, I agree. He'll want to make an example out of Kentucky, and I kind of hope he does. And then that takes us to Arkansas versus Ole Miss. This one is in Oxford, Mississippi. 
Ole Miss is four and one, one and one in conference. Arkansas, as we mentioned, is two and three, zero oh and two in conference. Ole Miss is an eleven and a half point favorite. This is another game that has a very high over under sixty three and a half points that could be covered entirely by Ole Miss. In my opinion, I think that they're going to slaughter Arkansas. Ole Miss, boy, I sure hope so. Arkansas is a funny team, and that I feel like their quarterback can have a big game and keep them in things. But yeah, I'm, I would go with Ole Miss. The reason I say it so confidently is that. Ole Miss, and especially Lane Kiffin coached Ole Miss teams, is like they lose against Alabama, sure. They almost get beat by an LSU. In games where the competition is at a significantly lower level, like Arkansas will be, they tend to beat the fuck out of those kinds of teams. You know, they, they are very impressive. They get the hype train going and then they go lose to Alabama. But I think they're going to have no problem against these Razorbacks. I agree. And then that takes us to, I think, what the nation would say is the premier game in the country. Uh, The number 23 LSU Tigers take on the number 21 Missouri Tigers in Columbia, Missouri for Oldfield. 11 a.m. is the inexplicable start time for this one on ESPN. I'll pass on watching the Missouri game. LSU is now favored at six and a half. I think the line opened up at eight and a half, so it is moving in Mizzou's direction. But LSU is still favored by almost a touchdown. Colin, I like our Tigers, and I like their chances. And, of course, you know I'm an unwavering supporter of Brady Cook and the coaching skills of Eli Drinkwitz. So I like Missouri to win this thing in a high-scoring game, 42-35. to 35. Yeah, I, I bet it. I, I, I took the six and a half. I think Mizzou is, uh, is probably going to win this game, and uh, at least I certainly hope they do. If I, I would say, I'm going to say like 31-27. Okay, okay. LSU. I think that is a realistic outcome in this one. I would love to see the sort of the prediction that you were hint- alluding to that could be a possibility, which is Missouri kind of runs away with it a little bit if the defense steps up their game. I think it's going to be a squeaker. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think we're going to be fucking biting our nails the entire time. But I like our Tigers' chances. I really do. No. I'm not just yeah. being a homer here. I, well, maybe I am, but I really think Mizzou has a legitimate shot well, at this I, one. I think you got two teams with really good offenses, and I, I would give the defensive edge to – Mizzou and like I said, if Mizzou has a, you know, balls out on defense, I think they could win handily. I, 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 I would not bet that, but yeah. you know, what I mean, I, I think that's certainly as realistic a possibility as any possibility. No. All right, Colin, that will do it for around the horn. So, Colin, we've got an abbreviated Kansas news because we're going long tonight, if that's all right with you. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need to know about child murder or rape or any of the other things that those lovely folks in Kansas get up to. All you have to do is type Kansas man and hit Google search and you'll find anything (laughs) you want to know about that for sure. So we'll skip all that and get into our Kansas news. I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. So the big story coming out of Kansas was this week, Colin. I'm sure you heard that it was a ranked Big 12 matchup in Austin, Texas. The number three in the country, Texas Longhorns, went up against the number 24 Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas ranked after having hell of a start, 4-0 and on the season to open it up. Kansas is a powerhouse in football, it sounds like. Uh, did you hear about how this went, or did you watch any of the games? No, I haven't had heard a thing, Brendan. How did it go? Did Kansas win? Well, let me give you the news then, Colin. No, Kansas did not win. Turns out they lost just in a squeaker, 40-14. to 14. That's a shame. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of much like Neon Dion, Coach Prime, uh, the uh, Cinderella's. Chariot has turned back into a pumpkin for the Kansas Jayhawks. They were slaughtered by Texas. I mean, look, if Alabama couldn't beat Texas, do you think fucking Kansas was going to? Give me a break. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's our only Kansas story, I guess. I mean, yeah. well, you we can just sum it up. Like, wastewater has leaked into the drinking water. Someone has raped a farm animal. That's right. Um, as someone is holding a festival celebrating... Their collection of old outhouses. Right. Um, so, like, that basically, you know, just, you know, that's it. 
that's Kansas news. Yeah, that's, there you have it. Uh, that's all the news that's fit to print in the state of Kansas. It's an important story whenever Kansas gets throttled and embarrassed on national TV. So I did want to bring that to you, but it's time to go to a more important segment on our program, Colin. It's time once again for the TJ Mo Douche of the Week. And do you have a candidate for us, Brennan? I sure do, actually. You know, sometimes we stumble and bumble and like, who are we going to nominate? Who could it be that will be our Douche of the Week? This one jumped right out to us. Um, Colin, you'll recall that we talked about South Carolina got beat pretty bad against Tennessee this week. And we talked about Spencer Rattler being sort of one of the best and then one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference. But one of the things he did in his post-game press conference that rings home, I think, to a lot of Mizzou fans is that whenever Mizzou beats a team and the other team just can't mentally emotionally cope with the loss and want to make excuses for it. What do they do to sort of make things feel better to themselves? What do they do on Twitter? How do they reckon with it? Colin? How do they self soothe? Yeah. What, what is the preferred method of morons who lose to the Tigers? Well, they, they pretend that we played extra hard because it was our Super Bowl. Okay. I'm just going to play for you a little clip from Spencer Rattler in his post game press conference after getting whipped hard, doubled up by Tennessee. Things, um, but just couldn't find a rhythm, and you know we we just got to clean up. Like we're two and three right now, but it doesn't feel like we're two and three because offensively we've been, we've been playing really well. That was our first test where they kind of you know matched how we've been playing, and credit to them, they did a great job. It was like their Super Bowl tonight, so uh, congrats to them. So there you go, Colin. The reason Tennessee beat South Carolina is not that Tennessee's way better than South Carolina; it's because this was the University of Tennessee Volunteers Super Bowl. Yeah, why wouldn't Tennessee look at South Carolina as a Super Bowl? I mean, I have you know that I have no love for the Tennessee Volunteers, but one of the worst teams and one worst fan bases in the country. But no, fucking Tennessee does not give a shit about you, South Carolina, and this was not their Super Bowl. Sorry, Spencer Rattler. As far as I'm concerned, you are the douche of the week. Douche of the week. Yeah, I mean, last enough, I got to choose which of these two programs that I have more. Uh, affection for and i have very little affection for either obviously sure i much prefer south carolina yeah. mostly just because uh we love we've owned south carolina and i lost carolina jackpot yeah carolina jackpot uh, is great and uh south carolina lost 41 to 20 so the super bowl talk easy spencer rattler how about just throw some touchdowns <laughs> and enough with the uh post-game bullshit i think this is a good nominee colin you're gonna t- accept yeah. that one yeah all right it's the only one we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. Kirk Farmer's oh, Hair. Kirk Farmer's Hair. Ooh. My goodness. Just thinking about it. I feel it. like as we, 10 years ago, uh, when we named this award, the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game, Brennan, it was a dated reference. <laughs> At that time, yeah. And now, 10 years later, uh-huh. I mean, like, it's a really, really dated reference. But for those listeners who may not know who Kirk Farmer is. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're Carolina Jack Potter, JD, whatever his name is from Arkansas. Uh (laughs) He was a quarterback for us and uh, he was not a particularly good one, but my God, did he have some immaculate hair? Oh boy. I'm telling you. Spun gold locks flowing curls. Mm. What years do you think Kirk Farmer played? Cause I don't really remember. (laughs) Uh, Would have been like 99. 2000? Would that sound right? It's right yeah, it's it's very uh, Saved by the Bell. Let's put it this way. Kirk Farmer is very, very familiar with Saved by the Bell. He was basically a taller, more statuesque Zach Morris. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically A.C. Slater's body with Zach Morris's head of hair. Man, I'm getting all chubbed up thinking about it. But anyway, that is why we have named this award for him. That's right. And uh, so who will get the tremendous honor of wearing the golden fleece of Kirk Farmer this week, Colin, after our win over Vanderbilt? Brendan, I, I feel like there's only one choice at this point. It's 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 Brady Cook. It's Brady Tough Heart Cook. Yeah, wow. You know, he is delivering the ball to his receivers. He's spreading it around. He's throw, he threw for nearly 400 yards. 
two of his touchdowns were touch passes, not just, you know, not just one of his receivers taking the top off the defense. I mean, he's playing exceptional football. He's not just playing good. He's playing great football yeah. right now. Wow. And uh, God knows, I hope it sticks around. I, and it's easy to say somebody like Luther Burden, but even Luther Burden is dependent on Brady Cook doing his job well for Luther Burden to do his job well. And so that's why, I mean, like, it's, to me, the choice is clear. It's got to be Brady Cook. Two weeks in a row, Brady Cook has easily earned this honor and i'm so well, we've been saying it since the beginning <laughs> it's true uh shouldn't be a big surprise we've all been brady cook supporters the biggest brady i dare say the largest biggest brady cook supporters of anyone in the zoo fandom sure I, nobody's I, been I bigger supporters a, than us a fair assessment of our uh, evaluation of brady cook yeah since day one we have been backing him a hundred percent anybody who tells you different is a liar fake news <laughs> yeah, that's right fake, fake news. news fake news <laughs> so congratulations, Brady Cook. You are, again, this week's Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Okay, Colin, it's going to get out a little bit later than we usually do, but so be it. It's kind of a, a Vanderbilt wrap-up yeah, and guys, LSU this is preview. Yeah, sort of the midweek, end-of-week show all wrapped into one. Yeah. Uh, Brennan had a medical procedure uh, that's kind of slowed us down. Yeah, uh, and, my asshole was examined deeply with a colonoscopy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Brennan had a colonoscopy. What day was that, Brennan? Uh, it was Monday, but I was out yeah, of commission. Right. So yeah. Usually we record on Sunday night. Uh-huh. Brennan was busy chugging hot dog, watering it up. Hot dog water on the toilet. Oh my god. Yeah, it was it was bad. You got to drink a gallon of sloppy, awful tasting goop, and then just live on the toilet for a night while you pee out your ass. And that's what people want to hear about. <laughs> Well, that's why we didn't record Sunday night as usual. And then mm-hmm. Monday, mm-hmm. Brennan had his procedure. Sure. And, uh, and didn't really feel up to it after being probed. Yeah. And uh, I will tell you so, one positive thing about that whole experience, Colin. The uh, really powerful mind-altering drugs you are given to prepare for what is going to be a horrible, horrible violation of your asshole. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least there's drugs. Yeah, so I hope that's a good enough excuse for all you out there who are saying, where the fuck is the podcast? Uh, blame my asshole. Yep, that's usually who I'm pointing at. <laughs> all right, well, hoping for one of the bigger wins in Mizzou's recent history, Colin. This is going to be an exciting game on Saturday. Oh. Obviously, it's an early start at 11 o'clock against LSU. Remember the last time I got offered free tickets to a game, I didn't take them and it was like an overtime super duper basketball crazy time i don't even remember the game was but i just remember after having turned in the tickets the game was phenomenal i missed it and twink caleb texted me today he's got tickets to uh the football game and uh for reasons i won't go into here i can't go and i just so i just know that mizzou is going to win yeah Uh, like on a last second field goal they're going to tear down the goal post it's going to be a fucking awesome good time and I'm not going to be there for free. Yeah, that's uh, that's not, giving me hope, actually, knowing that you are going to feel terrible about having had missed that means yeah, we probably will win. The, yeah, that was basically I was like, this is good news, though, because since I can't go, I got offered free tickets. I can't go. It almost guarantees a epic Mizzou victory. Yeah, because the universe hates Mizzou, but I know that it hates you more. <laughs> well, and it's got every right to, Brennan. Sure, we all do. So uh, here's, <laughs> hope the rest of you can make it. It's going to be a great one. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. <laughs> this Coyd's going to glaze himself and come. <laughs> yeah.